Well, we're in a little bit of a different place this week than we normally are, and some of why that is, I hope, will become apparent quickly. Um, <laughs> last week, we started our journey uh, towards Christmas, and we started that journey uh, with a question. What story are you rooted in? Last week, we talked about the stories that we tell, that tell us who and whose we are, that connect us to something greater than the sort of day-to-day reality that we live in. In particular, we named that these stories, they're not just stories, they have the power to root us, uh, to tell us who and whose we are. They give us belonging and identity and purpose. They're stories that we choose to tell or that are told to us about our chosen family or our inherited family. And they have the power to shape and form our identity. Absolutely. And in this season leading up to Christmas, the season of Advent, we tell the story of Jesus and his birth. And we also tell a lot of other stories kind of leading up to Jesus's story. And I think sometimes that can be a little bit confusing. Like, why would we spend all of this time starting with stories from the Old Testament when clearly we're all just here to get towards Jesus's story? But These stories are Jesus's stories as well, the stories that Jesus is rooted in. And these stories tell us about who Jesus is and kind of the lineage with which Jesus came from. They help us understand his identity and his purpose. Here's the trick, though. They are not just Jesus's stories, but we believe that by faith, these stories that we tell every Advent are our stories, too that we are called to be rooted and grounded in the love of Jesus, that when we root ourselves in the stories that we tell at Advent, we remember that they aren't just Jesus's story, but they also are our stories that we are rooted into. A story that has the power to shape and form who we are, a story that shapes how we respond when the world pushes and presses against us. We would really encourage you to go back and check out last week. It was a way of getting started in the series that we're in. Uh, We talked about Abraham and Sarah uh, as kind of some of the earliest members of our spiritual family tree. Uh, And today we're going to turn to the story of Moses. Um, Well, it's not really the story of Moses so much as it is the Moses' moment, Moment. right? The moment of Moses. Um, If you don't know anything about Moses, uh, Moses was called by God to liberate the Israelites, God's chosen people, from slavery to Pharaoh in Egypt, like the king of Egypt. Um, In the part of the story that we're going to pay attention to today, uh, it's the part of the story where Moses led God's people out from their neighborhoods on the appointed night through uh, the sea. Miraculously, they crossed the sea that God separated so they could walk through on dry land, and it closed up behind them. And once it did, it put some distance between them and the army that was chasing them. And then they spent the next 40 years, uh, this people, wandering around from place to place uh, through the wilderness as they headed towards God's promised land. Land that God had promised them, uh, that God would get them to. This is, to be fair, if you listened last week, um, it was the same land that God promised to Abram and Sarah last week. So uh, Moses is not technically a part of Jesus' lineage, but he is absolutely a part of our spiritual family tree. The New Testament actually refers to Jesus in a lot of ways as the new Moses, this sort of archetype of one who is liberating God's people. Uh, And so they are connected certainly in their type. And I I think that nowhere is their connection stronger, and this is why we're standing here, uh, than it is at this uh, very table. 
Yes, and when we gather around this table for communion or the Lord's Supper, as we call it, sometimes we call it the Eucharist, Mm -hmm. if you want to get super fancy. (laughs) Uh, But all of that just means a God's gift of God's love, or sorry, the good gift of God's love. Uh, When we are gathered around this table, we remember the fullness of our spiritual family tree. On the night that Jesus gave himself up for us, he gathered around a table, around a meal with his disciples and celebrated what we call the Passover meal or the Seder. Uh, The meal that he was sharing was a long meal, and during the course of it, year after year, God's people would retell the story of God liberating God's people. They would tell Moses' story, yes. Not his story only, but again, the moment of Moses, yes, and how during his time leading the people of God through the wilderness, all the ways in which God showed up again and again, And again, and again, Uh, Jesus standing at this table, taking uh, bread and breaking it, saying, take, eat, this is my body given for you. The words that we find of his in chapter six of John make a lot of these connections. So we'll read them now. This is John chapter six, 32 to 35. Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So I don't know what the season of Advent is like for you or for y'all. I'll say, uh, for me, the season of Advent is often a very rich spiritual time. I think sometimes it's like all the holly jolly that's going on. We want to think about Advent as just the countdown to Christmas. And certainly we talk about it that way in a lot of ways. But um, the season of Advent is actually intended to be kind of a penitential season. So you'll notice behind us that the church is wearing its purple. Uh, It also tends to wear purple uh, in the season of Lent, which is a penitential season, right? It's a season of confession. And the colors are the same because... For most of the history of the church, that's Same what this thing. season has been about uh, up until maybe more, more recently. In Lent, it's a 40-day season leading up to Easter where we actually remember the 40 years that the Israelites spent in the wilderness. And I feel like a lot of times, uh, Advent for me can almost feel like a little bit of a wilderness season. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I feel like, I don't know if it's like for you, I'm trying to throw you under the bus, no, but <laughs> it feels like uh, sometimes we have to kind of rev up our holly jolly um, and we don't sure. oftentimes get to deal with uh, maybe some of the, the more profound feelings that we're feeling on the inside of ourselves uh, as the world sort of spins crazy. It's nice sometimes to be able to avoid that and celebrate, um, but mm-hmm. it's hard. Sometimes those they just do they feel a little bit like yeah. a disconnect uh, for me. So um, last week, actually, we were uh, singing a song in one of our contemporary services um, called Same God. We've been listening to it as we've been preparing for the cantatas, which are coming up in a few weeks. Uh, but it, it talks about how the same God that showed up for Moses and for Mary mm-hmm. and for David uh, is the same God that can show up for us. And I feel like I heard it uh, mm. not in like just like a nice theological sort of way, but I heard it in a like, oh, and you better wake up and pay attention to this sort of way. So yeah. what we want to do today um, is highlight a lot of the ways that God showed up for the people of God uh, in the wilderness. And if this is a wilderness season for you, or if you're in a season where you're willing to kind of entertain some deeper and more um, personal thoughts about sort of how you need God to show up in your life. We wanted to make sure we were giving mm-hmm. people space to do that. So here's what we'd like to invite you to do uh, today. Um, we're going to throw up uh, sort of nine, is it nine? 
I don't actually know. I think it's nine. <laughs> nine-ish. We're going to throw up uh, nine-ish uh, ways that we see God showing up for the Israelites. And we would encourage you as we're doing this uh, to think about ways in which you need God to show up for you right now. Uh, not in a theoretical way, but like in a right. real concrete way. And then we get to the end, um, in addition to an invitation to come and receive communion from the table around which we will gather uh, this Sunday. Um, we want to invite you to like really offer those prayers to God, and we're going to try to find yeah. a way so that we can be praying for you uh, all the rest of this, this Advent season. Yeah. So. And we encourage you to take notes too. So as we, as we are going yeah. through these, if there's one that stands out to you more, like grab your phone or a piece of paper or whatever is helpful to kind of ask the questions that we are asking or write down your answers as you go along. Yeah. yeah. You ready for our nine-ish? All right, let's do, let's do right. it. So God starts by bringing the Israelites up out of a terrible situation and then leads them through the sea on the dry land while the Egyptian army is in hot pursuit of their free labor force. God told them on the night that they escaped this persecution to be ready to run, right? To leave sandals on their feet and to tie their robe up so they could run unencumbered. Their bread didn't even have a chance to rise. Um, so they actually carried flat bread into the wilderness, which is why that's often what we use. Jesus would later free us from the oppression of sin and death. Once again, making a way where there was no right to be a way. Like a highway into the wilderness, like dry land where water once stood, God is always setting us free from the things that bind us. I'm curious what you need to be rescued from. What is living, leaving you feeling tied down or bound up? What is it that you need to be freed from in order to live the life uh, that God has created for you? Second theme that we come up against is provision. So when they got a few days down the road and not nearly into the 40 years that they are going to spend in the wilderness, they quickly ran out of food. And it was it's not a comfortable situation. The accommodations were not great. And there were next to no amenities in the wilderness. Not a bed and breakfast. Not really a bed and yeah. breakfast, no. And the people of God began to grumble against their leader, Moses, and against a God. And they said, like, why has God brought us out here is it to die? Because we feel like we are about to die. Uh, we would have been better off if God had not freed us from the Egyptians and if we still were slaves in Egypt, because at that point, we at least had food. So God made it rain down bread from heaven. And we call that manna, which is one fun thing to me is manna is called, what is it? Because uh, they saw it and asked, what is, what is it? it? <laughs> and quails would fall from the sky so they could have meat to eat as well. And later on, Moses stuck, struck a rock and water just poured forth out of that rock to provide them with water. And they would call that place Massa and Mirabah, which means testing and quarreling, because that is the place that they gave up on God. But God went on providing for them. So I wonder today, where have you found yourself kind of giving up on God? Where do you need God to provide something for you? And what is it that you need? I'm not talking about making a Christmas list for Santa in the season, but like what is on your heart? Like what's in the heart of your heart um, that you really need to ask God to provide for you in this season? Now, one of the next challenges we see them coming up against is one of my least favorites in the whole story. Uh, poisonous snakes infested their yes. camp. Yep. It's no for uh, me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so God instructed Moses to make a bronze snake and to put it on a stick. Sometimes we pastors call this the snake on a stick passage. 
Um, and when people would gaze upon it, they would be healed. Uh, God made a way. God made a way for healing to happen in the wilderness. Later in the New Testament, they say that Jesus on the cross was like the snake on the stick, and those who looked upon him could be healed. So I'm curious, where are you sick? Is that emotional unhealth, right? Is it a physical reality? Is it a spiritual sickness? We call Jesus the great physician for a reason. I'm curious what kind of healing you would ask for, what kind of wholeness you might be longing for in this season. And protection is the next theme that we come up against. And repeatedly throughout their journey, God offered them protection and respite. Whether it was from external threats like armies and enemies or from the scorching heat, God would come like a cloud and cover them. Clouds always showed up to connotate God's presence like a hovering cloud. It's kind of also reminds us of the Holy Spirit who brooded over the dark waters of creation and brought forth light. Or like Jesus who said how often he tried to gather us under his wings like a mother hen protecting her chicks from the luring foxes. So I wonder, where do you need God's present protection to hover over you, to hover over your day or your life? Um, whatever is, is it that you find yourself asking God for protection from? Yeah, we see God at offering all throughout the 40 years guidance, guidance. God didn't just show up as a cloud, right? Sort of God's presence, but God mm-hmm. showed up as a fire in the night sky in giant pillars of fire, maybe like a thunderstorm off in the distance uh, so that even at night they would know where to go. It was that way that God led the way when there was no way. When there was no path forward, when they didn't know where to go or what to do, God would appear and show them the path forward from there, even when it didn't make any sense to them. Where in your life right now could you use some guidance? What would it look like to ask God to show up clearly in your life and to light the way, to show up and give you direction, even if where you are feels like a dead end or a trip into the unknown wilderness? And I think it's probably helpful to ask, are you willing, (laughs) you know, are you willing to leave the where you are behind and trust that God is steering you uh, rightly? We also see that over and over again, God's presence is so powerful in this season. While they were following God's direction, they also had to leave behind lots of really important places and particularly holy places so that they could holy places that they had. So they knew they could go to these places and encounter God's presence. So God said, all right, I'm going to take the show on the road. And God took up residence in a mobile kind of church Mm -hmm. called the Ark of the Covenant. And it was a way that they could have a traveling temple, a place to connect with God. We tend to think of Jesus as the first time that God got real proximate to us and present with us. But even here, the beginning of the Old Testament, we see God's desire to be close to God's people so that they know that our God desires to be close to us. Of course, we know God is so much closer to us, um, even in our hearts, as we sometimes say. So I wonder, do you need to know that God is close to you? Is that what you need to be reminded of today? Is there a sense in your being that our God is only aloof and removed Do you need to be reminded that God is close? Maybe even to ask God to be close to you in this season, to be present. You need to ask God to be with you, to remember that you are known and known and can know our God. 
And then endurance. I mean, obviously, 40 years is a long time. Um, But a few years later from where we just were, God would remind the Israelites of just how far they had come. And not just that, but God reminded them that while they were walking, their clothes did not weather and their sandals did not wear through. No holes in their soles. Even the shirts on their back seemed like a miracle in and of themselves. I'm curious where you need some of this endurance in your life, where you need for God to show up and to provide you the staying power that you need to keep going, the ability to keep going through a rough spot, the courage to keep going and not give up. What would it look like for you to ask God to give you this kind of endurance? And lastly, we see that hope is a theme that is present from the beginning of this story all through the end. Um, All this time, even when they didn't know where they were going or how they were going to get there or what the rest of the one day would look like or even the next, um, we see that God set before them some good news, Um, a destination, a holy ground, a place to be. God set before them hope. God called them to this hope over and over again, even in moments where they had given up on this hope long ago. Um, Not just in this one moment, but throughout history, we are called to remember this hope that God has given us. And whenever we gather around a table like this, um, you know, we don't just remember what God has done at the Seder meal or today at this table of communion. We don't just remember what God has done in the past but we believe that God will do it again, that God will keep on rescuing and delivering and providing and healing and leading and guiding and showing up and enduring and offering hope. So every time they gathered around this table, they gathered as a people of hope, an expectant people looking out for God to do it again. When Jesus stood at this table with an expectant people, a people filled with hope, that's when Jesus shifts the language changes the script. That's when Jesus says, in the middle of this meal, this ritual that everyone would already have known, he departed from what would have been familiar words and says to them basically, I am this hope. I am this bread. I am this covenant given and broken and poured out for you. Very truly, I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you true bread from heaven. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Friends, this is a story that we know well. We remember that on the night that Jesus gave himself up for us, he gathered around a table with his friends, and he took bread and he broke it. He gave it to them saying, take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then when the supper was over, he took the cup, he gave thanks to God, and he gave it to all of them, saying, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. And he says, do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. All along, recalling this story that we've been telling. So as we gather around this table today with Jesus and with our spiritual family tree, rooting ourselves in a story that reminds us that if this is who God is, and if this is what God does, then we can be a people of hope, trusting through faith that God will and is doing it again today for us. And that is why we pray like this whenever we gather. I invite you to find a posture of prayer wherever it is that you are worshiping from uh, as we continue to pray together. 
I ask that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on all of us gathered here from our living rooms to our cars to the many places that we are worshiping from today. We ask that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and the blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world. Until Christ comes in final victory, and we feast at last at your heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your Holy Church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Well, we trust, uh, we trust that um, God is stirring something within you, and we would encourage and invite you to, to make that earnest prayer and plea uh, to God, uh, trusting that God can do the same thing in your life that God did in the life of the Israelites in the wilderness. And again, we would love uh, to be praying for you, so um, we'll put a link in the description, but you can go onto our website and just submit a prayer request, and the prayer request can just say, you know, sermon notes or whatever you <laughs> wanted to say. Uh, but if you'll list in there the things that you would like for us to be praying for, don't have to put your name, um, you know, in those notes particularly. Uh, we yeah. would love, love, uh, love for you to be praying for us, and we would love to be praying for you uh, during this season. Absolutely. Blessings on you. Yeah. Yes, and as always, whenever we have communion here in person, we are always hopeful that any of you who are worshiping online with us will have a chance to be able to respond in that same way. So if today, as we've been telling this story, that you, you want to say yes and have communion, maybe it's been some time since you've either been in the building or been in person in <laughs> yeah, to, to receive communion, feel free to just call us. We'll pop up the link um, or the, the phone number for our church and just call us and we will find a way to be able to get communion to you. But we are, are hopeful that you can continue kind of asking and processing these questions uh, with us this Advent. Yeah. Blessings. Well, it's been great to worship with you together during this time. Uh, we'd love to invite you to come and join us for worship in person or online, live on Sunday mornings or throughout the week. You can find more information about our worship times or worship with us online at fvumc.org. And while you're there, uh, you can find plenty of ways to connect with us, uh, whether that's uh, connecting in sort of an opportunity for community around here or serving the greater Fuquay community around us. Uh, so we'd love to invite you to join us for those. Uh, if this is a resource that provides you spiritual sustenance and you'd like to partner with us in making it possible for everyone else while you're there, the top right-hand corner, there's a button that says give, or you can go to fvumc.org slash give and make a gift there that makes the mission and ministry of this place possible. We're so thankful for everyone who partners with us uh, to do just that. Listen, it's been great. It's been great to be together with you uh, in this moment. And we look forward to worshiping again with you real soon. We'll see you then.